five, four, three, two, one. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. This is your host, Sir Dr. J.M. I'm here to bring you everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Now, if you've tuned in before, you know the format of the show. If you haven't, I'll give you the quick rundown. So typically speaking, I'll intro the show, which I'm doing right now, and then we'll move on to a news segment where we'll talk about all of the latest and greatest happenings in the Overwatch community and, of course, the Overwatch League. In the past, we used to then go on to the Owl Recap, where we would recap the previous week's matches in the Overwatch League. However, of course, that is all over now, with last week's episode being the Grand Finals 2020 episode. So instead, um, we've actually got quite a bit of news going on, because uh, trade season is upon us. So although I have a number of news stories that relate to trades, I'm actually going to scrap the Owl Recap, and I'm going to scrap the upcoming OWL section where we look at the upcoming games in the Overwatch League. And we're going to replace that with the OWL Tracker. So in that segment, I'm actually going to pull up a trade tracker that I've been uh, keeping tabs on over the week since last episode. And I'll dive into pretty much every trade and release and uh, uh, mutual parting of ways and things like that that we have seen over the past week and boy oh boy is there a lot so let's get right into it this is one man watchpoint and overwatch podcast and i'm your host sir dr jm follow me on twitter follow me on instagram and if you like the show uh subscribe to the show you can get it on all your podcast services around the globe of course spotify apple podcasts uh onecast uh google podcasts all those fun things if you want to, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. I'm always open for suggestions for the show, um, for you know potential segments, anything you'd like to hear me talk about. I mean, I certainly know I'm not an expert in the Overwatch field, but I think I am fairly knowledgeable, and I certainly enjoy dissecting everything going on in the world of Overwatch. So, without further ado, let's move right into the news. Playtime's over. Now, the first news item I want to talk about is actually a bit of an addendum to last week's, uh, one of last week's stories. So last week I mentioned that the uh, Halloween Terror 2020 season, uh, seasonal event, was about to kick off. I believe that started on Tuesday the 13th. Um, I talked a little bit about the skins and things like that. However, what I forgot to mention is that the... Uh, earn weekly blah, 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 blah. the weekly challenges play to earn system is back once again um, so this is a system they introduced a couple seasonal events ago I can't quite remember when it started now but um, I've been enjoying it and basically it just gives you a little bit of incentive to play each week um, you know there's a reward for winning three games there's a reward for winning six games and there's a reward for winning nine games so last week was the first week running October 13th through the 20th and that week, you had the chance to earn the Phantasma Sombra Epic skin. Um, if you didn't earn it already, uh, you've got probably, I, well, I mean, I'm recording Monday night and patch day is Tuesday. I'm not sure what time the patches come out, but you've got less than 12 hours probably to earn it, so get going. Um, looking at the Sombra skin right now, I did personally unlock it, and it is pretty cool. Um, 
you know, it's kind of neon uh, digitized kind of look to it. Um, I definitely like it quite a bit. At the same time, Sombra's got a few pretty awesome skins that I really like. So, I mean, I've got it equipped for now just because I unlocked it recently and it's new and shiny. But, I mean, ultimately, I think the next two weeks are much cooler. Week 2, October 20th to the 27th, you first win three games to get Stone Brigitta player icon, win six games to get Stone Brigitta spray, and win nine games to get Stone Brigitta epic skin. So this is how you get that uh, that stone kind of statue Brigitta skin. Um, this one is actually pretty cool, mostly just a palette swap if you ask me. Um, but it's got some kind of kind of magma y cracks in it, which gives it a little extra flair um, so that it's not just, you know, Stone Brigitte. Um, so, decently cool. Um, like I say, I, I think I like this week and the final week a little bit more than the Sombra one, but ultimately, week three is definitely the best one. Week three is October 27th to November 3rd. Uh, win three games, you get Ragdoll Echo Player Icon. Win six games, you get Ragdoll Echo Spray. And win nine games, you get the Ragdoll Echo Epic skin. And this is the one that really, I think, shines out of the three. Um, it's definitely the, uh, probably the coolest looking one. Um, the most kind of, most freaky, the most Halloween-y one. Um, so, anyways, get playing, get your wins in there to, to unlock those skins. I know I will certainly be uh, picking the game up tomorrow and uh, continuing on to try and get that Brigitte spray. I mean, not spray, sorry, skin. I'll get the spray. But anyways, the skin. So that is the Halloween event that I, or the portions of it that I forgot to mention last week anyways. Now, moving on. Next item I want to talk about was announced uh, just shortly after uh, I recorded my episode. In fact, you know what? It might have even been announced... Oh no, it was announced a couple days after. I digress. Posted on the Overwatch League website by Blizzard Entertainment, we have this article reading, Enjoy Contenders content and get in-game skins. So essentially what they're doing here is they're finally kind of partnering with uh, the Contenders League a little bit, which for those of you that don't know is essentially the uh, feeder league for the Overwatch League. Now that's not always true in theory it is but i mean certainly there have been other cases like uh players like tayo um on the san francisco shock as well as ons on the san francisco shock you know these guys that have been kind of picked up from their content creation uh or streaming roots but this system i think should really promote the contenders league and hopefully generate some interest in it if you listen to a lot of people that are big in the overwatch league a lot of them are also very familiar with the contenders league and a lot of them are you know some would argue bigger fans of contenders you know and i mean hey you see that argument in in uh traditional sports as well a lot of the time where oh you know the ahl is better compared to the nhl but really i think uh you know the top league is the top league for a reason and uh, that's not to discredit anyone in the lower league, but ultimately they're all trying to prove themselves and earn their stripes so they can play in the top league. So I digress. I will read just a snippet from this article, um, kind of explaining in a little more detail uh, what exactly this means. So uh, here's how it works in October. You'll automatically receive a set of Contenders Home and Away Symmetra skins in your Battle.net account after enjoying seven hours of live Contenders content. 
When you reach 15 hours, you will automatically receive a set of Contenders Home and Away Mercy skins. Your hours will reset at the end of the month, so log in now to support Overwatch Contenders. So essentially what they've outlined in the article here is that uh, for every month, you're going to be earning a Home and Away skin for a certain character for the first seven hours of Contenders content you catch. And then when you reach 15 hours, you will earn a second uh, set of Home and Away skins for a different character. So as I mentioned, uh, we're starting with Symmetra and moving on to Mercy. However, I believe if you log into the game at all right now, you actually get the Genji one um, just as kind of a promotional kickoff to the uh, to the contenders, uh, I guess, promotion that they're running right now. So anyways, that's always good to see supporting the lower leagues and uh, obviously lots of exciting stuff coming up from there in this uh, next owl season as i'm sure we'll see a lot of players making the jump with all the changes that have been going on in some of the teams and organizations right now now then on that note let's jump into a little thing i'm calling dallas fuel watch so the dallas fuel have been making some pretty significant changes i think i've captured all of it or i've found all of it captured in this one article that i'm going to go through here this is by Liz Richardson and posted on .esports.com. And it the title reads like this, Dallas Fuel releases Gamzu, confirms roster reconstruction. Now, the reason I grabbed this article is because she actually touches on most of the changes that Dallas has made. And so it'll actually help me when it comes to the next section where we uh, talk about the trades and everything that's going on. So everything's bigger in Texas, including roster rebuilds. Today, the Dallas Fuel officially announced that it will be re-signing, no, releasing, sorry, not re-signing, releasing nine players from its Overwatch League roster, confirming a suspected full-scale revamp from the organization. Individual players have been informing fans about their free agency status, but this is the first official confirmation from the Dallas Fuel about the fate of the 2020 Overwatch League roster. So, the Dallas Fuel account here, they have the tweet embedded, and it says, Today we are parting ways with at Onigod, at Crimzo, at Gamzu, at Not Even Blue, at Trill underscore OW, at DF underscore AKM, at Unco, at Closer, and at Paintbrush. We want to thank them for all their hard work, passion, dedication, and time on the Fuel. We wish them the absolute best in their future endeavors. Continuing the article, Dallas will be releasing DPS Stefan, Onigod, Fiskerstrand, Flex Support, Crimzo, Main Support, Paintrush, Main Support, Closer, Off Tank, Note, and Main Tank, Trill. All six players announced their free agency on October 16th from their personal Twitter accounts. The Fuel will also be releasing Flex Support, Unko, who will be pursuing a career in Valorant, and DPS AKM. Neither player saw stage time in the 2020 season. Main Tank, Gamzu, has also been released and will return to his roots in the League of Legends competitive scene. Gamzu was acquired by the Dallas Fuel during the 2019 offseason. Previously, he played main tank for the Shanghai Dragons in 2019 and Boston Uprising in 2018. With only DPS Doha remaining on the roster, it's increasingly obvious that the Dallas Fuel is aiming for a complete reconstruction for the 2021 Overwatch League season. So, as I mentioned, I wanted to read that article because I think it covers pretty much all of the moves that uh, Dallas has been making, which are very significant. Um, you know, that last kind of sentence there uh, posted by Liz in this article really kind of highlights the the sweeping changes they've been making. You know, Doha on DPS is the only one 
from the current roster that is surviving this purge. So certainly Dallas making some moves, um, you know, blowing things up and in a lot of ways starting over, which is big for them. Um, being that they were around in the first Overwatch League season, um, you know, they had a lot of those players that were actually uh, original Dallas Fuel members that kind of stuck around a long time or they kind of clung to for a long time. And I mean, ever since I've been watching the Overwatch League, Dallas has not had a ton of success. So exciting to see them doing that. Um, you know, obviously we hope for the best for all the players and hopefully they find places to land. But guess what? There's no shortage of teams looking as we will get to in a moment here. <clears throat> Now, the next team I want to focus on is a segment I like to call Vancouver Titans Watch. So, of course, as I've talked about before, um, I am definitely still a Vancouver Titans fan, although definitely was more of a Vancouver Titans fan before uh, the whole um, Korean roster implosion that happened earlier in this season. Now, I'm certainly not as big a fan as I was before all of that happened just because of how, you know, how poorly the organization treated the players. And yes, you can argue it's a two-way street and everything. But regardless, there were certain things that uh, I think have been well discussed now that uh, clearly state the organization was not doing enough. Um, and then, I mean, on top of that, just comparing them to other organizations that I've also become a fan of, uh, aka the Toronto Defiant, the other Canadian organization, um, you know, it's pretty night and day how the, uh, the Vancouver organization has uh, presented itself over this past uh, season compared to the Toronto Defiant organization, which has is, is vastly different. Regardless, I'm still a Vancouver Titans fan. I'm pulling for them. I want to see them have success because, uh, I mean, as I've talked about before, if you're from Canada, uh, unless you're from Toronto, you just can't cheer for Toronto. And like I say, I, I like the organization and I I have a soft spot for them, but I just, I want more. I want my own to cheer for. So I digress. Um, this article, the first article I'll read here was from October 16th, again, posted by Liz Richardson on .esports.com. And it reads, Vancouver Titans release Karkar, KSA, and Suna. Uh, jumping into the article, Liz writes, Today the team announced main support Karkar, off-tank KSA, and DPS Suna would be dropped from the Titans roster. For all three players, 2020 was their first year in the Overwatch League. Of all the players on the Vancouver uh, roster, Karkar likely spent the most time in the contender circuit. As a main support, he bolstered the backline of teams like the Atlanta Academy, Skyfox's Fusion University, and Second Wind before joining the Overwatch League this year. KSA was the only Saudi Arabian representation in the league and also represented his country in the 2019 Overwatch World Cup. Before the Vancouver Titans signed him, KSA played for a successful European Overwatch contenders teams like Raspberry Racers and Young and Beautiful. DPS Suna was another regular in the European contender scene, having played on teams like British Hurricane and Eternal Academy before joining the Overwatch League. So um, I wanted to talk about this one in particular because obviously I'm a Vancouver Titans fan, but also because I don't know that these are necessarily moves that many people would have thought would make sense um, in terms of the team themselves. I definitely think I, I definitely was surprised to see KSA in particular because I think KSA really shocked a lot of people, um, especially being that he was playing from i believe they said saudi arabia is where he from where he was from yes i believe he was playing from saudi arabia on something like 200 ping and some of the plays he would make were really impressive um 
you know so it just kind of shows the level he was playing at and i personally had really hoped that we would get to see him playing um you know potentially in the same room or at least in the same building as the rest of his teammates but i think given the current you know covid situation and situation of the world and everything i think the organization probably looked at him and just said it's not realistic to have a successful player who is so incredibly far away not just from the vancouver titans but from everyone i think that's the big difference with him with him being the only one saudi arabian um or based in saudi arabia i should say um he's kind of in a bit of a unique situation you know i know there's french players who are playing from paris and you know obviously uh um, players on the london spitfire might have been playing in london although i think they were all korean based but i digress um just it it it's not i think something that the league or the organization sorry the vancouver titans wanted to gamble on um i do hope something somebody picks him up because i think it would be a shame to see that kind of diversity fall to the wayside um you know i'm all for expanding out the organization and you have to think about it from a standpoint of uh yeah it's great that we have teams in north america teams in europe teams in asia and the apac region that we cheer for but ultimately the more representation in the league the wider the league will become the bigger the league can grow and of course that just means good things for everyone so anyways sad to see ksa go from the vancouver titans hopefully he finds a home with another team though now suna i think is one that a lot of people will also be surprised by because um he was pretty highly toted i think as a as a killer hit scan player um we didn't see too too much of him uh i think if i'm not mistaken the rumor was that he actually had covid um and he was pretty sick for a while there so he couldn't play but i do believe he as well was um i think he was actually based out of uh france as well i, I want to say he's french for some reason i could be totally wrong there but i digress so i think that one was a little bit surprising as well just because we didn't really get to see a ton of him but ultimately i mean if if you're not getting playtime, then hey, that's that's kind of a reason for the team to cut you. Um, so, anyways, again, hopefully he finds somewhere else to land as well. And then Karkar is actually a really surprising one too. Um, Karkar has been around the league for a long time, as the article mentioned, and I think it's just uh, I think a lot of people would have said that he was kind of a backbone to the team, um, but obviously the the organization just wasn't seeing that, so they said goodbye to him. Anyways, hopefully all of the players uh, that I just mentioned find somewhere new to play. Moving on from there, but still in the same vein, because I'm still on the Vancouver Titans watch, and the second article, this one posted October 17th, so the next day, uh, this one again I'm reading from .esports.com, this time Xavier Johnson writes, Vancouver Titans re-sign Dalton, Shredlock, and Rolf. Vancouver Titans announced contract extensions for DPS Dalton, main tank Shredlock, and support Rolf for the 2021 Overwatch League season. The team is re-signing a key player in each position. All three players were consistent starters for the for the Titans in 20, the 2020 season. This move comes a day after the team released Karkar, KSA, and Suna. So again, um, you know, this is sort of the other half of the group uh, that was brought in uh after the uh, korean roster was released and everything so this one i'm definitely excited to see um i certainly i certainly am a big fan of dalton um i'm really glad he's getting kind of getting his due kind of thing um shredlock as well i i was always impressed with shredlock 
Um, however, again, I think a part of that was Shredlock playing with KSA. So again, you know, I'm sad to see KSA go, but Shredlock is a, is a good one to keep around. And then Rolf, honestly, uh, I wasn't too impressed with uh, the Vancouver Titans support lineup. So Rolf and Karkar, for me personally, weren't doing it. That said, I know a lot of people really said that they carried the Vancouver Titans. A lot of people um, were were big fans of them. I just personally thought they left something to be desired. Nothing, nothing against the players themselves, obviously. But I digress because it seems like Vancouver is, you know, uh, building themselves around these three players. Now, the only player we have yet to hear anything about is Shockwave. And I think Shockwave obviously came in uh, after those initial six. Um, I believe because of the age restrictions with the league, he was a little bit too young to play with them, actually. And when he came in, um, I think he stunned a lot of people because he was actually a pretty killer uh, on the hitscan role. Um, as well as, you know, when characters like Echo came in, he was pretty killer on Echo. So... It'll be interesting to see what happens with Shockwave in the coming season or the coming weeks as we hear more, just because I think he could be either a centerpiece to rebuild around with, you know, Dalton, Shredlock, and Rolf, or he could be a, a pretty decent chip to move, right? Um, you know, you could actually get some pretty good return if you make the right trade with him um, or for someone else with him. I think that, uh, you know, he could, he, he certainly, he's young, he could use some mentorship, he could use some, you know, uh, someone who's been around and someone who knows what it's like to be, you know, down 2-0 and and not out of the fight, as many of the Vancouver Titans matches wound up. Um, but, like I say, I mean, if they wanted to, I think they could really build him up and build around him. So, anyways, that's the Vancouver Titans watch. Now, the last team I want to focus on here in a, yet another watch is actually the London Spitfire watch. And there's sort of two reasons I want to talk about this one. Um, I'm going to start with this article from Liz Richardson, again at .esports.com, which reads, London Spitfire part ways with seven players. The London Spitfire released seven players from their contracts today, bringing validity to rumors that the organization will be rebuilding before the 2021 Overwatch League season. With more than half of the team's roster dropped, fans are eagerly awaiting more information on the Spitfire's direction. London released DPS Babel... Uh, sorry, I was just reading something. Uh, London released DPS Babel, although Shui, as well as main tank Jihoon, off tank Cleston. The team also dropped Flex Supports Hylie uh, and Krillin, who was the only non-rookie on the 2020 roster. Before the 2020 Overwatch League season began, the London Spitfire completely reconstructed to field a mostly rookie squad of unknown players from the Overwatch contenders. As if that wasn't difficult, a difficult enough feat for them, the players and staff had to relocate from North Korea to from North America, sorry, to South Korea during the season due to the COVID twenty COVID nineteen pandemic. Many of the Spitfire's rookies managed to stand tall against skilled veterans of the APAC region, but the season's difficulties took a toll. The team ended the season in last place in the APAC region and seventeenth place overall in the London in the Overwatch League. Sorry, I'm all over the place right now, apparently. Uh, London said on Twitter that it offered free agency to these players to ensure that they can find a new team to thrive in with the least amount of resistance. As free agents, the released players are now allowed to pursue opportunities with other teams without going through the Spitfire organization. After the Spitfire dropped its entire coaching staff earlier this month, 
rumors escalated that the team might go completely Western, opting to bring up the players of the British Hurricane European Overwatch Contenders team. Five members of the 2020 London roster still remain on the team at this time. So I'm bringing this one up because uh, it's interesting. It actually, Liz Richardson doesn't talk a ton about it on here, but I've done some reading aside from this. And uh, the, the big rumor is that London is going to be trying to build a, a European team, um, you know, fielding more local talent. Um, now, that doesn't necessarily mean local to London, um, just because of the nature of Europe and how close a lot of those countries are. But that does mean, uh, I think in a lot of ways, that that is a good thing um, for an organization to do. Not necessarily saying it's a successful thing, but in a lot of ways, it does help build a fan base. It does help establish a uh, sort of roots in a place. Um, if you look at a lot of, uh, again, traditional sports, you know, I use the NHL because that's the primary league I'm familiar with when it comes to traditional sports. But if you look at teams like the Calgary Flames, teams like the Vancouver uh, Canucks, they do focus a lot on community engagement. And a big part of that is local talent. It is people who are willing to and want to be in that wherever it is be in that geographical location and stay there and you know put their roots down and that's why a place like uh calgary alberta has a lot of former flames that are still you know active in the community and things like that um in a lot of ways i think vancouver is leaning towards this i don't think they're necessarily looking for an all canadian roster or a uh, all british columbia roster even um but i do think they are hoping to be more focused um in, on, on a Canadian market, um, which, again, if you look at the Toronto Defiant, is something that they have done. I actually was recently uh, tweeting back and forth with Adam Adamu. Um, I believe he's the CEO of Overactive Media, the ownership group that owns the Toronto Defiant. And uh, I had a little Twitter exchange with him where I mentioned uh, something about getting a team out in Calgary, Alberta. And he said he loves Alberta. And, uh, you know, the point he made was what other team fields two local Alberta boys with Agilities and uh, Surefor. And I actually wasn't aware that Agilities was from Alberta. However, Surefor is probably one of my favorite players in the league. And a big part of that is because he's a local kid. He's from uh, Lethbridge, Alberta, where I have know many friends that went to the university there. I, in fact, went to the university for a whole year. Um, and my wife got her degree from the University of uh, Lethbridge. So I digress. Um, a bit of a tangent there. But London, uh, potentially going for a European-focused rebuild. And that brings us to the next side of London, which again, another article from Liz Richardson, .esports.com, London Spitfire adds Nuki as new general manager. Isabel Nuki Mueller was named the Spitfire's general manager for the 2021 season today, confirming widely reported rumors that the team is going all-Western during the Overwatch League hiatus. Nuki has been involved in the competitive Overwatch scene since the game's earliest iterations as an esport. She's acted as administrator and organizer for numerous events in the European and North American scene for years. In the 2019 Overwatch World Cup, she was the general manager for Team Germany. Since 2018, Nuki has acted as manager for the British Hurricane, London Spitfires, Overwatch Contenders, Europe Academy team. In a 2021 team update posted on YouTube, Nuki confirmed rumors that the London Spitfire are going all Western next year. We are aiming for a full rehaul of the roster and will focus on Western and especially European talent, she said. In her update, Nuki 
emphasized the importance of a continued relationship between the London Spitfire and the British Hurricane during the 2021 season. Quote, I personally think that all the Overwatch League teams should have a responsibility to help the path to pro grow, she said, referring to the, quote, pipeline of talent that should exist from the contenders to the league itself. On October 15th, the London Spitfire dropped seven players, allowing them to pursue free agency for the 2021 season. Five players still remain on the roster at the time of writing. So, Again, sticking along the London train, the reason I bring this up is not only because um, it's a big deal and it does confirm that they are going for the uh, more Western European-focused rebuild, but also because uh, Isabel Nuki Mueller um, is going to be, I think, a great general manager for them. She's had a huge impact on the league already, um, you know, coming from the contender side and helping out in a lot of ways with the Overwatch World Cup side. But ultimately, I think this will be great for the league itself, um, bringing her in and everything. So so that's all I have for London Watch. And that was London Watch, Vancouver Watch, and Dallas Fuel Watch. Now, there are a number of other teams that have been making massive, massive changes. Um, you know, the Houston Outlaws, to name one, which actually I'll touch on a little bit in a sec here. Um, I know, I believe Guangzhou... Guangzhou released a large chunk of their team as well um, but I'm not going to focus too much on those just because if I did this for every single team this would be a really long podcast so I will touch on a lot of that in the trade tracker now I still have some news stories to get to so the next one I want to talk about is for this time from GG Recon posted by Tom Chapman and this brings us to Overwatch 2 Watch. So I'll read you a little snippet from this article. Um, Overwatch 2 Beta is reportedly on its way. And actually, I'm not going to read any of this article, so go give Tom the click. Go to ggrecon.com and take a look at this article. Long story short, uh, basically, it's, it's a lot of speculation, but essentially there have been some game files found in the Battle.net launcher that point to Overwatch 2. Now, again, a lot of this is speculation, so take it with a grain of salt, but there's talk that the game could be releasing April or May of 2021. Now, there is mention of 2022 as well in that same breath in that article, but I'm going to choose to cross my fingers and believe that this will indeed be 2021. I kind of think Blizzard would be crazy to wait any longer than that. Um, However, who knows? Truly, truly, who knows? We all know how Blizzard has been with release dates in the past and with their track record and everything. However, we also, I think a lot of people feel that they are getting some pressure from the Activision side of the organization. So we can cross our fingers. Um, at the very least, I hope we get more information on Overwatch 2 soon so that I don't have to just report on speculation and I can confirm facts, facts. Next story I want to talk about is actually from one of my favorite reporters in the Overwatch scene. This is Sasha Yiska Heinish. Um, he goes by Yiska on Twitter, and uh, he is obviously one of the three members of the Tactical Crouch podcast, podcast, which I'll shout out right now because it's definitely one of my favorite Overwatch League uh, podcasts. If you're interested in the Overwatch League at all and you want to get really into some of the nitty-gritty of the league, then definitely check out Tactical Crouch on uh, podcast services. Now this article reads, Junkbuck joins the Houston Outlaws as co-head coach. So Yiska here writes, finally some positive news. The Houston Outlaws have signed J. Junkbuck Choi as their co-head coach. 
He will be leading the Outlaws alongside the other co-head coach, Harsha Harsha Bandai. Just last week, Junkbuck had won his second title with the San Francisco Shock as their assistant coach, after which he parted ways with the team, with both sides sharing their heartfelt goodbyes. Quote, Junkbuck was our first choice for this expanded leadership role, and we aim to elevate our team and the city of Houston as esports continues to dominate the sports entertainment landscape, said Chief Operating Officer Lori Burgess in a statement to Checkpoint XP. Junkbuck shared that, quote, My goal in Overwatch is to never stop improving, challenge myself, and develop winning teams. I am very excited to help the Outlaws become one of the best teams in the in Overwatch and make the fans proud. I am looking forward to joining and working with an amazing staff and roster of new players. Now, the article does continue from there, um, so go ahead and give Yiska the click and the read there to read more about some of the changes that... Uh, the Houston Outlaws have been making. Once again, I'll talk about them in a little bit here, but I wanted to highlight this one because this is kind of a big deal. With uh, with Junkbuck leaving San Francisco and going to Houston, not only does he take all of his experience from San Francisco with him, but he's joining up with Harsha, who took all of his experience from the Vancouver Titans of 2019 down to Houston. Now, obviously, that doesn't seem to have paid off too, too much, but clearly... Houston is making some moves doing this. Um, I'm very excited to see what happens with Houston in the next season because of this. I do think that the coaching staff makes a huge difference, and uh, I, I this makes me want to cheer for Houston more than anything just because I want to see some success for, for Harsha and for Junkbuck, or continued success for Junkbuck at least. Now, my final news story that I want to touch on here is another one actually from the same guy at GG Recon. This is another Yiska article. And this one actually came out uh, or was posted just a couple days after I posted my, uh, my last episode there on Monday the 12th. So this article was posted on the 14th. And this one is a real interesting one. I'm actually going to read the whole article here. So again, go to GG Recon. Give Yiska the click on this article. Sources, Overwatch League proposes updated season format to its franchise owners. According to sources familiar with the matter, the Overwatch League has reportedly presented its franchise owners with a new format suggestion for the 2021 season. The alleged key changes to the seasonal format would see a delayed start in April, the inclusion of three Asian contenders teams into each of the three Asian tournaments, and, if possible, offline tournaments, with a mid-season tournament pitting both regions against each other. The sources emphasize to GG Recon that these format changes are merely a suggestions at this point in time. As those sources have disclosed to GG Recon, the fourth season is reportedly set to start in April of next year, running until September. Regions would stay separate for the majority of play in Season 4, with the exception being a tournament in the mid-season featuring teams from both regions as well as the season's playoffs. According to the sources, three tournaments would be played in each region respectively, with a mid-season tournament and the playoffs being shared events by both regions on top of those competitions, bringing the total count of knockout stage tournaments an individual team could participate in up to five. Due to its significantly lower team count in the Asia region at five teams, with the New York Excelsior and London Spitfire returning to their home markets, the Overwatch League is allegedly aiming to incorporate Asian contenders teams in each of the respective Asian region tournaments, with one slot going to Korean contenders, Chinese contenders, and a wild card each. 
The regular season would conclude in August, with playoffs lasting for three weeks in September. Sources have shared with GG Recon that the Overwatch League intends to have land competition for the North American division without live attendance, while Asia could potentially see live audiences at the, its respective offline tournament events depending on the development of the global pandemic and reserves the possibility of requiring online play in accordance to the situation at the respective locations. The sources emphasize that the information is still subject to change at this point in time. This information lines up with details that GG Recon has received over the last couple of weeks, allegedly seeing the league proposing several different kinds of formats, some of which saw teams, North American teams, take turns to travel to Asia for a quarter of the regular season to even out the asymmetric numbers between the Asian and North American regions. It is expected that the format will continue to be adjusted to the developments around the global pandemic in dialogue with the teams. GG Recon has reached out to Blizzard Entertainment for comment. GG Recon will keep updating the information as the story develops. So, that was a lot. A lot to digest there. Now, the big a couple, I guess, big things to highlight here. One is a delayed start in April and the season running through September. Obviously, that is a much shorter season than we saw this past year or that we've seen in previous years. I believe the league started or the season started in February and obviously it just ended here in October. So that is a pretty lengthy season. Um, but that said, when you're only playing games on either a Saturday, Sunday, or in some rare cases towards the end of the season there, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I think that is kind of to be expected. Um, you know, it's not like, uh, the NHL or the NFL where you have, or MLB or many other leagues where you have games throughout the week, right? Um, so I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think a, in large part, a delayed season start is mostly with fingers crossed that situations will change and be better when it comes to the pandemic, the global pandemic. Um, but, you know, again, I mean, the, the big, a big takeaway from this is that this has just been proposed. So this is rumored to have been proposed to franchise owners. So there's no saying this will happen for sure. I'm sure the league and the uh, franchises are largely discussing and uh, trying to decide what the best course of action for the league is. Now, another takeaway from that is, uh, so they talk a lot about this tournament structure and again, having two separate regions, but they also touch on the New York Excelsior and the London Spitfire returning to their home markets. So that's an interesting one, especially with London obviously rebuilding as we talked about and rebuilding to a largely Western audience. And then obviously with New York, which was always a bit of an outlier in how they became uh, a part of the APAC region. Obviously, I think it's it's no secret that that's because their team is largely um, Korean. However, um, you know, New York is not a uh, small fan base. Uh, I definitely think they're they're one of the the more marketable regions, or I guess franchises um, and organizations there. So it's not surprising to see them go back to uh, to their sort of local regions, I guess. Um, however, that does mean that the Asian region would be left with only five teams. I believe they said five, right? Yeah, that adds up. Um, and so then they talk about bringing in contenders teams. Now, this initially, I thought to myself, well, why not, right? Um, you know, it only means experience for the contenders players. 
um, it only really means um, it only really means good things for those players and those organizations and those teams. It means more exposure for contenders. Um, you know, if if this is what gets contenders fans into the Overwatch League, well, guess what? You can assume the same will happen the opposite way. Um, this will make some Overwatch League fans into contenders fans. And then in a time like now where you have the off season uh, from the Overwatch League, you might just have people bleeding over into contenders who want their Overwatch League fix kind of thing. But I've actually listened to, again, uh, you know, second shout out of the of the podcast to Tactical Crouch. They talked about this on their episode, on one of their episodes last week. And what they actually talked about was the fact that this isn't necessarily a good thing. Um, if you have uh, contenders teams coming into the Overwatch League and suddenly you have these contenders teams rolling some of the Overwatch League teams, it does in some ways bring into question the validity of the league. Um, you suddenly have uh, the the question of, well, is contenders actually better? Are these players actually better? And if so, why aren't they in the Overwatch League? Now, hey, maybe that benefits them and they suddenly get picked up by some of these Overwatch League fans. But then you also run into sort of conflict of interest type stuff and you also have to think about, well, how do contracts work then? Um, you know, if Overwatch League teams are playing against contenders league teams can they start talking to those players can they start talking to those contenders organizations if they like what they see and things like that um and then another another uh, sort of i don't know wrench in the plan is the fact that contenders players don't necessarily have the same age restrictions as the overwatch league um i believe the minimum age in overwatch league is actually you know what i don't even, i'm not even certain i don't want to get it wrong but um, but there are age restrictions. And so that has to be a consideration because suddenly you have contenders uh, league players who aren't of age to play in the Overwatch League. So how does that work? Um, how does pay work? Because technically the Overwatch League is a professional league. Contenders, I'm not 100% certain. They, they may pay their players as well, but there's obviously going to be some disparity there. So it does call into call into question some of the the validity um, and some of the uh, reputation of of the league and the organization itself and and Blizzard and things like that. Um, however, again, I mean, hey, this is a, this is all speculation, and this is like I say, this is just rumored to have been uh, proposed to the teams. So, so some interesting tidbits there, some interesting things to think about. Um, obviously, there was a lot more in there. Uh, they talk about, you know, land competitions. They talk about in the Asia regions having live audiences again, which obviously would be great. And especially in the Asia regions where, if I'm not mistaken, I think I've actually seen some of the stats on viewership and things like that. And I do believe that uh, North America is the primary audience of the Overwatch League, but second to that is Korea. So. Um, you know, seeing live audiences return over there in a place where they largely have handled the uh, national pandemic a lot better than a lot of uh, North American and and sort of Western places have. Um, you know, if that's a reality for them, if they can reasonably do that, then great, good for them. In in my mind, that only drives viewership and, and brings the numbers up and builds the league more. Uh, honestly, obviously, I wish we could be doing that here, but uh, it really is a shame that we can't. Um, a few other things that I just would should touch on here. Again, the sources emphasize that the information is still subject to change at this point in time. 
Um, so I do want to stress that because like I say, this isn't necessarily speculation and rumors like I've said a billion times now. Um, you know, Yiska has confirmed that these are sources coming to him and saying this is what the, the league is talking to them about. Um, but who knows what will happen? Who knows when we'll hear anything? I don't suspect we'll hear anything anytime soon. Just because, I mean, especially right now with, with trades ongoing and seeing the trades happen quickly and everything like that, or, or players being released and things like that, um, I, I do think that they will leave the focus on the players and that for now. Um, when when would we see, see an announcement like this? I would suspect, uh, I don't even know if we'll hear anything this year. I almost feel like we might not hear anything until the new year um, when they start getting some more pressure and start really wanting to confirm when the season is going to be starting up again. So that's how I feel about that. Now, that is actually all I have to talk about on the news front. Obviously, that was a little bit of a news-heavy week, and in large part that's because I stuck a bunch of the OWL trade tracker stuff in there, um, which I'll, I'll, I'll touch on some of that now, but uh, in a lot of ways I wanted to focus on, on you know, Dallas, Vancouver, London, um, as well as, you know, highlight Junk Buck and things like that with Houston, just because uh, I wanted to focus on, on a few of them. So I picked a few of my faves, a few of my, my more interesting ones to talk about. So without further ado, let's dive in to the Owl Tracker. There's no stopping me. All right, so last week when I went through some of this, there was definitely not a ton of movement yet. Um, we had some stuff from September that carried over, and then we had, like, you know, a little bit here about, uh, about other teams. However, since then, in, you know, a little over a week, we've had a ton of movement. So if I'm not mistaken... I think the last thing I touched on was October 12th, uh, the Los Angeles Gladiators release main tank LH Cloudy, Philadelphia Fusion release flex support uh, Boombox, or he announces free agency, and then San Francisco Shock uh, Moth announced that he was a free agent as well, even though he is still with the Shock. Now, I think that's where I left off. I'm not 100% certain, but trust me, there's more than enough meat on the bones here. So, uh, if I missed a few, I apologize, but let's dive in. October 14th, the Florida Mayhem released DPS Saya player main support Chris, Tank, Carrion, and Flex support Byram. Houston Outlaws released, uh, no, sorry, actually, let me pause for a second here, because what I'm actually going to do, so I'm pretty much just going to read through these. If I have anything to say about them, I'll stop and I will just throw it in there, but because there's quite a few here, I'm probably just going to read most of them off. Um, and if you're curious, uh, by the way, just Google uh, Overwatch League 2020 Trade Tracker. Um, I actually personally prefer one by Liz Richardson, my favorite Liz Richardson from .esports.com. Um, so definitely if you want to Google Liz Richardson Trade Tracker or .esports.com, Owl Trade Tracker, something like that, and you'll find this list. And uh, I actually have it bookmarked and I just check on it, check in on it every now and then. So anyways, let me get back to it. Uh, so October 14th, I talked about Florida there. Also on October 14th, Houston Outlaws, DPS Lynxer, Main Tank Muma, uh, Jesse, and DPS Blase announce their free agency. Assistant coach Chris Dream Myrick also leaves the team. 
So again, you know, to touch on Houston some more, you know, big things happening, obviously. Uh, I'm not sure where exactly the decision makers are in that organization, but I would wager that, uh, you know, Harsha has a part in that. And also some big names leaving them uh, with Linkser, Muma, uh, you know, I mean, Jesse or or JC, I can never remember. And Blase, like those are those are not small names. Even assistant coach Dream, these are these are pretty big names. But uh, Houston, obviously, looking to make some pretty significant changes. October fifteenth, London Spitfire drops seven players. Uh, I talked about that in our news section. Houston Outlaws DPS Dante announces announces free agency again. Another big one from Houston. San Francisco Shock assistant coach Junkbuck Choi leaves the team and joins the Houston Outlaws as head coach. I really should have done a Houston watch now that I'm looking at this. Houston's been making some some moves, that's for sure. Guang, October 16th, Guangzhou Charge releases main support Neptuno and Chara. The team also released flex support Waya and Crystal, who were two-way players for the team. Chengdu Hunters released DPS Bacon Jack and Tank Aiting. Houston Outlaws off-tank Mecco announces free agency. Los Angeles Gladiators mutually part ways with OG. San Francisco Shock releases assistant coach Arachne. London Spitfire adds Nuki as general manager, which we talked about. Atlanta Rain flex support Dogman announces his free agency. That one, again, another pretty surprising one. Um, I certainly uh, wouldn't have seen this coming. I think similar to uh, another one we'll get to when it comes to the Los Angeles Valiant, but I'm not going to spoil it. Um, Dogman kind of, in a lot of ways, I think, became the face of uh, the Atlanta Reign, especially after a player like Baby Bay left them. Um, and I think very similar to what you saw with, with San Francisco. Um, you know, obviously San Francisco had, uh, in my opinion, who player who would have been uh, one of the goats of the Overwatch League, Sinatra. When he left, I think the team largely had a, a bit of an identity crisis, and they needed someone to step up and kind of be the face of the organization. And I think in a lot of ways, Super did that. Um, you know, Super was always kind of there as, as kind of a class clown kind of thing, but I think he, in a lot of ways, stepped up and really filled a role that was missing once uh, when Sinatra left. And the reason I bring that up is, again, because... Um, in a lot of ways, I think that uh, when Baby Bay left the Atlanta Reign, I think Dogman was was really stepping up there. You know, obviously he did some casting. He did some some. Actually, I'm not even sure if he. I think he did do some casting, but he also did some uh, analyst work uh, on the desk in the grand finals there. So I think he was he was you know kind of becoming that kind of becoming the face of Atlanta. So to see Atlanta obviously you know not release him but uh, not resign him, making him a free agent. Uh, a little bit surprising there. So, uh, moving on, Dallas Fuel DPS Oni God Flex Support Crimzo Main Support Paintbrush become free agents. Off Tank Note Main Support Closer are also dropped. Main Tank Trill is dropped. Will pursue a career in Valorant. So now I talked about Dallas obviously previously, so I shouldn't have even read that one. But hey, I did it. Uh, next bullet point on the list is Vancouver, who I've also talked about. And then the one that I just alluded to, Los Angeles Valiant drops off tank, Caleb McGravy McGarvey. DPS Damon apply Conti and main tank Rick Gig Salazar. So in the same vein as what I was just talking about with Dogman and Atlanta Rain, the Los Angeles Valiant dropping McGravy is a pretty big deal, especially after, I apologize, I don't know the award that he just won this past season, but he did win an award, which was basically a community 
sort of a community engagement for someone who uplifts the game and really builds the community up um, in, a, in a positive light kind of thing. It's really shocking to see Los Angeles, uh, the Valiant, drop him. Um, in my opinion, again, this is a player you build a franchise around, even if he's not, you know, actively participating on the roster. And so, you know, to that effect, maybe that's a conversation they had with him. Maybe they said, hey, we'd love to keep you around, but you're not going to be getting playtime. And maybe he said, I I want to keep playing. I'm still still up there and can still play with the best of them, which by all means, I think he really proved that uh, this season that he definitely could. And especially with players like uh, KSP and KSF uh, on the team, I think with a strong leadership like McGravy, I think they they could be on the upswing. Uh, you know, Packington did a great job with uh, with limited funds from what I hear this past season. So moving on from there, we have Atlanta Rain off tank FRD and main support fire announce their free agency. So Atlanta, another n- name that keeps popping up here, um, certainly seems like they might just be in a bit of a rebuild you know not necessarily as harsh as some of the other teams and by all means i mean atlanta didn't place terribly at the end of the season i know i i've i talked a lot of shit about them throughout the season because for whatever reason i just have never been a fan of atlanta but i digress because they did end up you know putting on their big boy pants and pulling pulling out some wins towards the end of the season there so moving on from there october 17th Atlanta Rain off-tank Pokepo announces his free agency. London Spitfire release main tank JMac. Philadelphia Fusion DPS EQO announces free agency. Vancouver Titans, oh, and then this is the Vancouver Titans re-signing that I already talked about as well. So a few surprising ones on October 17th there. Um, you know, again, another Atlanta uh, player announcing free agency big deal and then obviously eqo on philadelphia fusion uh announcing free agency as well uh philadelphia obviously i'm I'm not going to dissect their season because i think uh everyone knows exactly what happened with them and uh i I struggle to say that they disappointed because by all means they uh they showed up for the whole season and in a lot of ways they showed up in grand finals as well they just couldn't finish right um, so EQO, you know, announcing free agency, I, I'm almost positive he won't be the only one with Philly. Um, Philly's kind of in a situation where I think it, it's really hard to say what do you add or what do you take away or what do you change to, to give Philly that extra, that extra, you know, it factor that will, will bring them the, the championship that they have sought after and largely been very competitive for uh, in this past season and in seasons past, so... Moving on from there, uh, we also have a free agent tracker on this list. So again, I'm going to start at October 14th with the previous one being Moth on October 12th who announced he was a free agent. And the the reason I want to go through this is because I like that it actually lists players as free agents or looking for team. So if they're a free agent, they uh, technically, actually I'm not even sure how Liz is categorizing these. Maybe, you know what, I'm not actually going to go through this because most of these I just read through, um, but it is a little chart at the end of Liz Richardson's article, uh, at the end of her trade tracker, which you can definitely go look up because it does help to kind of visualize things and it kind of groups them together nicely as well. So by all means, go check out that trade tracker. Excuse me for dropping in. 
And with that, that brings me to the end of episode 21 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast. As you have now found out, this is an Overwatch podcast where we look at everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If you liked what you heard, if you liked me, go ahead and give me a follow at SirDrJam on Twitter, on Instagram. And of course, reach out to me on those platforms. If you have any suggestions, if you have anything you'd like to hear on the show, you'd have anything, you, any recommendations, any suggestions, anything like that. Um, but of course, uh, what helps me the most is if you subscribe to the podcast. Um, I will definitely be recording on a regular basis from now on. I know I took quite the break there, but I'm hoping this can kind of be a refresher and hopefully this can scratch that itch if you're, you know, missing out on some of the Overwatch League, if you're feeling that Overwatch fix missing in your life and you just want to want to get back into the action. So come to me for all your Overwatch and Overwatch League news and I'll be waiting. Hopefully, I think I'm going to try and post every Monday uh, Monday evening because that sounds like a good plan to me. So with that, once again, I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM, and that was episode 21. Thank you.